Hey everyone, welcome back to the HB Faith and Freedom Podcast. This week, going to be summarizing the book of Exodus. Um, It's been a while, I know I've been trying to do this one for a while. And uh, just going to do a quick summary and analysis on the book of Exodus. And then uh, followed by a uh, devotional. And... um, because I didn't get a chance to do a devotional this past Sunday. So let's get right into it. But first, we obviously have to thank our sponsor, Hillside Bowhunter. Uh, Hillside Bowhunter is a bow hunting apparel brand that is surrounded by faith, fitness, and bow hunting. I encourage you all to go to the site, hillsidebowhunter.store, and to support this show, um, you can use the promo code hillside for 20% off your order Um, if you're a bow hunter or an outdoorsman like me you can experience uh, hillside bow hunter by um, wearing this brand I'm trying to grow this brand and um, and you can support the show that way too all right let's get into it so the book of exodus begins more than 400 years after Joseph, his brothers, and the Pharaoh he once served have all died. The new leadership in Egypt, feeling threatened by Jacob's descendants, who have increased greatly in size, embarks on a campaign to subdue the Israelites, forcing them into slavery and eventually decreeing that all Hebrew boys must be killed at birth in the Nile River. The Hebrew woman resists the decree, and one woman opts to save her newborn son by setting him afloat on the river in a uh, yep in a basket. Fortunately, Pharaoh's daughter discovers the abandoned child and raises him after he has been nursed, naming him Moses. Moses is aware of his Hebrew roots. And one day, he kills an Egyptian who is beating an Israelite worker. Moses flees in fear to Midian, a town near Sinai, where he meets a priest named Jethro and marries the man's daughter. Beginning a new life as a shepherd, God, however, is concerned for the suffering of the Israelites. And he appears to Moses in the form of a burning bush. God speaks to Moses, informing him of his plan to return the Israelites to Canaan, to a land flowing with milk and honey, and to send Moses back to Egypt to accomplish this task. Moses is timid and resists, citing his lack of eloquence and abilities, and refuses to go. God is angered but encourages Moses, presenting him with a staff for performing miracles and instructing Moses to take his brother Aaron with him as an aide. When Moses asks God what his name is, God replies, I am who I am. Moses and Aaron return to Egypt, where Moses organizes the Israelites and confronts the Pharaoh, demanding the release of the Hebrew people. Moses performs a miracle turning his staff into a snake. But Pharaoh is unimpressed and only increases the workload for the Israelites. 
God responds by inflicting a series of ten plagues on Egypt. God turns the Nile River into blood, causes frogs to cover Egypt, turns all the dust in Egypt to gnats, and causes swarms of flies to come into the house of Pharaoh and his officials. God then strikes Egypt's livestock with a disease, creates festering boils on humans and animals, and sends thunder, hail, and fire that destroy crops, livestock, and people. God sends swarms of locusts and covers Egypt with a darkness that can be felt. Before each plague, Moses demands the Israelites release. And after each plague, God purposefully hardens Pharaoh so that he refuses the request. The tenth and final plague kills all the firstborn males in Egypt. Before the plague, Moses instructs the Hebrew people to cover their doorposts in the blood of a sacrificed lamb as a sign for God to protect their home from his killings. Pharaoh relents and releases the more than 600,000 Israelites who in turn plunder the Egyptians' wealth. Upon leaving, Moses enjoins the Israelites to commemorate this day forever by dedicating their firstborn children to God and by celebrating the festival of Passover, named for God's protection from the final plague. Guided by a pillar of fire during the day, or a cloud during the day, and by fire during the night, Moses and the Israelites head west toward the sea. Pharaoh decides to chase them. The Israelites complain that Moses has taken them to die in the wilderness. And Moses, at God's bidding, parts the sea for the people to cross. Pharaoh follows, and Moses closes the waters back again drowning the Egyptian army. Witnessing the miracle, the people decide to trust Moses, and they sing a song extolling God as a great but loving warrior. Their optimism is brief, and the people soon begin to worry about the shortage of food and water. God responds by sending the people food from heaven, providing a daily supply of quail and a sweet bread-like substance called manna. The people are required only to obey God's commandments, to enjoy this food. Soon thereafter, the Israelites confront the warring Amalekite people. And God gives the Israelites the power to defeat them. During battle, whenever Moses raises his arms, the Israelites are able to root their opponents. Three months after the flight from Egypt, Moses and the Israelites arrive at Mount Sinai, where God appears before them, descending on the mountain in a cloud of thunder and lightning. Moses climbs the mountain, and God gives Moses two stone tablets with ten commandments inscribed on them regarding general ethical behavior as well as an extended series of laws regarding worship, sacrifices, social justice, and personal property. God explains to Moses that if the people will obey these regulations, he will keep his covenant with Israel and will go with them to retrieve 
from the Canaanites the land promised to Abraham. Moses descends from the mountain and relates God's commandments to the people. The people agree to obey, and Moses sprinkles the people with blood as a sign of the covenant. Moses ascends to the mountain again, where God gives him more instructions, this time specifying in great detail how to build a portable temple called an ark in which God's presence will dwell among the Israelites. God also emphasizes the importance of observing the Sabbath day of holy rest. Moses comes down from the mountain after 40 days, only to find that Aaron and the Israelites have now erected an idol, a golden calf that they are worshiping in revelry. In direct defiance of the Ten Commandments, Moses breaks the stone tablets on which God has inscribed the new laws, and God plans to destroy the people. Moses intercedes on the Israelites' behalf, begging God to relent and to remember his covenant. Pleased with Moses, God is appeased and continues to meet with Moses face to face. As one speaks to a friend in a special tent set aside for worship, God reaffirms his covenant with Moses and fashioning new stone tablets to record his decrees. God declares himself to be a compassionate, loving, and patient God at Moses' direction. The Israelites renew their commitment to the covenant by erecting a tabernacle to God according to the exact specification God has outlined. So while Genesis explains the origins of the world and humanity, Exodus is the theological foundation of the Bible. Exodus explains the origins of Torah, the laws of the Jewish people, and the tradition surrounding that law. Torah is not merely a list of laws, but rather the notion of law as a way of life. Indeed, the law exists as a way of life for Moses and his people, although portions of Exodus are devoted to legal matters. The declaration of law in Exodus always comes in the form of a story relayed by discussions between God and Moses and between Moses and the people. These laws and traditions are filled with symbols of God's promise to the Israelites. In Genesis, God uses symbols such as the rainbow and gives people new names like Abraham as signs of his covenant. Such personalized signs are useful when communicating a promise to a single person or family. In Exodus, however, God attempts to communicate his promise to an entire nation of people. Social laws about how the Israelites should treat their slaves and annual festivals such as Passover are signs that a community of people can easily recognize and share. In this sense, obedience to God's laws is less a means of achieving a level of goodness than it is a way for the people to denote their commitment to God's covenant. The Hebrew word for Exodus originally means names. The Exodus is often called the book of names. The book discusses different names of God, uh, names God takes in various ways. God manifests himself to the Israelites. When God tells Moses that his name is I am, God defines himself as a verb rather than a noun. 
this cryptic statement suggests that God is being is a being who is not subject to the limits of people's expectations or definitions. Most often, however, God reveals himself to the people through extraordinary natural phenomena that sing, signal God's arrival or presence. Uh, these events in Exodus include the pillars of cloud and fire, the thunder at Mount Sinai, and the miraculous daily supply of manna. Such spectacles demonstrate God's attempts to prove his existence to a nation of doubting people from whom he has been decidedly absent for more than 400 years. The unwillingness of the people to accept God's existence is never more apparent than when the Israelites worship a golden calf in the shadow of a thunderous Mount Sinai. As a result, God's final manifestation of himself is in the tabernacle, specifically the Ark of the Covenant, a golden vessel in which God's presence or spirit will reside. Like the law, the Ark is an effective symbol of God. For it is an object that the people not only build as a community according to God's specifications, but also as a religious vessel that can be picked up and carried wherever Israel goes. Moses is the first true hero we encounter in the Hebrew Bible. He manifests all the traits of a traditional hero. He overcomes timid, uh, timidly and inner strife. He challenges Pharaoh, leading Israel to great feats. And he wields his own weapon, the miraculous staff. These elements give Moses traditional heroic status. But Moses also prevent, uh, presents us with a new type of hero, the religious priest. All of Moses' political and military dealings serve the one end of delivering the Israelites to God, physically moving them from Egypt to Mount Sinai and interceding to God for them to, uh, when they disobey. As God declares early on, Moses is God's representative to the people, and Moses makes God's relationship with Israel a personal one. Instead of a series of incendiary explosions, Moses presents God's instructions to the people through conversation and conveys God's desire to destroy the Israelites by breaking the stone tablet in front of them. Most importantly, Moses' dialogue with God enables the author to portray God in softer human terms as someone who listens, grieves, and is actually capable of changing his mind.